I think uh, this weekend in particular, and maybe for some folks uh, even last weekend, kind of been traumatic for some of our families, uh, taking children and dropping them off at college for the first time. Some are dealing with an empty nest now, and um, some of you then, uh, this coming week, I guess what, school starts what, Wednesday? Uh, some of you parents are going to be taking children to school for the first time. And so there are going to be uh, a lot of different emotions tugging on your heartstrings. So remember that we're thinking about you and remembering you in prayer here in the life of our church. And we're talking about prayer. This is in week two uh, of a four-week uh, series of sermons about back to basics. That we want to make sure uh, that we cover the basics and that we're doing these basic spiritual disciplines in our life as we talk about growing to spiritual maturity and developing disciples here in the life of our church. Last week we talked about Bible study and the importance of um, dusting off our Bibles and getting back into the Word of God, reading it and studying it and being able to take it into our heart. And uh, this day we're going to talk about praying. I'm going to ask you a question. How is your prayer life? And next week we'll talk about worship. We'll celebrate Lord's Supper and talk about worship. And then on the 31st we'll talk about stewardship and what it means to be a steward. It's not just giving money, but it means managing everything that God has given to us. And we'll, we'll be looking at that in, in total. So we want to, before we launch into uh, a new sermon series in the fall uh, and really challenge us to deal with some things in our life and our faith, I want to make sure that we were doing the basics, that we didn't just overlook these basics about Bible study and prayer and worship and stewardship. Because they're all spiritual disciplines that ought to be a part of our life. So I ask you that question today. How is your prayer life? And we think about that compared to the challenge last week about reading the Bible. Is there dust on your Bible? A little bit different with your prayer life than it is reading the Bible. You know, reading the Bible, maybe you can just, you know, read the Bible. You take those words, those stories, the teachings, all of those things. Uh, you apply them to your heart, and it's, it's not as difficult to accept as it is to pray. Because when we pray, I think we need to exercise more faith than it does just to, to read the Bible. Because when we pray, we're praying to a God that we cannot see, and we're asking for answers that we cannot control. And so there's a greater challenge for us to remain faithful in our, in our prayer life. And for some people then, uh, sometimes we drop out of that routine or that uh, discipline of prayer. And I would imagine if we would uh, survey our congregation here today in this 11 o'clock gathering, that there would be some varied responses about, tell me about your prayer life. Uh, Just as it is on the video we have for you. Take a look at this. Um, I do pray, and I pray um, when I feel like I need guidance or help. Um, And that can happen 24-7, I guess. No, because I don't think it's right when people turn to God when they want something, when they want money, when they want their team to win. That's bizarre to me. Yes, we do. And it's daily, usually in the morning when I wake up or when I'm going to work. And why? Because uh, it sets my goal for the day. I don't pray regularly. I've only prayed like, oh, God, dear God, you know, only those types of prayers. Um, I, I pretty much pray, unfortunately, uh, not often as I should, and because I'm a typical person, it's pretty much when anything's going wrong. I, uh, I'm not sure what it's called, but I say the, the bedtime prayer before I go to bed, and that's about the only time I pray. I think God's involved in my daily life. You know, um, I'll pray to Him. 
well, lately I've prayed to him a lot more. So I just think that he's near me with me everywhere I go. Instead of being way up there, kind of like looking down on us. Well, how's your prayer life? Uh, what would your answer be like that? A lot of different uh, answers that are given to that question, do you pray? I think if we were honest, we would probably say that these are some words that would describe our prayer life. And it would be like, um, it's, uh, it's undisciplined, um, it is sporadic, uh, maybe even erratic, that uh, we don't really have a disciplined prayer life. When we have a need, we go to God. When maybe things are going great, we might go to God. But on, the, on a regular ongoing basis, our prayer life is not powerful. It's more prosaic. In other words, we try to offer up some beautiful, lovely, um, spiritual words to God. It's more prosaic than it is powerful. And yet, at the same time, God gives to us prayer as a wonderful, wonderful opportunity and privilege of coming into His presence. It's all about a relationship with God. I mean, we have the privilege as believers in Christ to have the opportunity to talk to God and to listen to God and have Him speak to us. And He can give us guidance. He can help us when we're sick, when we're praying for others, when we're praying for those who are lost. All those things that are great concern to us that we can take to God who spoke and brought this world into being and who is all-powerful and all-knowing. See, we have that wonderful privilege but I feel like a lot of us don't take advantage of it the way we should. And there's a danger in that. You, you, you not only become spiritually dry and you lose that relationship with God, but sometimes you just get totally ignorant about some things in life. Uh, in the first service, Kathy Wood did a fantastic job of singing the Lord's Prayer. It reminded me of a story of two guys talking about their church life and about how one of them was talking about how their spiritual life had grown so much and developed. And so his friend said, well, I bet you this, even as religious as you are, I bet you can't quote the Lord's Prayer. He said, in fact, I'll bet you $10 you can't do it. The guy says, I'll take you up on it. So this is what he said, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And the guy said, I didn't think you would know that. And he handed him the $10 bill. Well, there's a lot to learn in prayer. The Bible teaches us a great deal about prayer. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture uh, that we could spend a lot of time on because Paul talks about actually two sections in these verses that we'll read about prayer. One, he gives us a pattern for how we should pray in our life. And then he gives us a pattern about why we should pray for him. And then we can carry that over into how we should pray for, for seeking to reach out to those who are lost. Like Allison talked about the little boy on the beach that didn't even know he was lost. So here's what Paul says in Colossians 4 beginning in verse 2. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, we, uh, we know, obviously, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul and read any of his writings, most of the New Testament, you know that Paul understood prayer the importance of prayer and the power of prayer. 
And prayer was an undeniable, absolute part of his life. It was just like breathing for Paul, just as it was for our Lord Jesus Christ. So in here, from a man of prayer, in these few verses, we find, I think, four uh, characteristics about how our prayer life should be. Here's the first one. Paul says we should pray persistently. In verse 2 he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Or some other translations say, continue earnestly in prayer. In the original language in which it's written, it's one word that means continue steadfastly in prayer. And that means to persist in, to adhere firmly to, to remain devoted to. It's also interesting that every time that word is used, uh, well, excuse me, it's used ten times, and four out of the ten times that word is used to refer to being persistent in prayer. See, that's given to us as a mandate that we are to pray, to be persistent in our prayer life. And that's exactly what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, when Paul says, pray without ceasing. See, persistence in prayer is not an option for us. If we are truly going to be followers of Christ, and if we're truly going to take seriously uh, this whole concept of growing as a mature believer in Christ, we've got to have a profound prayer life. And persistence in it is one of the fundamental principles of that. Jesus was a man of prayer. He was persistent in His prayer life. In fact, two of the many parables that He told have two of the strongest teachings about prayer. In Luke 11 and Luke 18, He told those parables to teach both persistency in prayer and that we should not give up in prayer. In Luke 11 and 9 is where, Luke 11, 9 is where we find Jesus saying, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. It just so happened that this past Monday was my Monday to have devotion for staff. And I've been doing my research on prayer and the concept of it. And in this passage, just one verse, you know, it says so much to us that there are three levels of prayer. And, and that drives us as the need intensifies or as the situation intensifies about which we're praying. You know, ask, then seek, and then knock. And they're all written in a present active voice which says, it's translated this way, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And that's the essence of what Jesus said in Luke 18.1 when He said, now He was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. See, persistence simply means not giving up. It means not quitting, not giving in. Not becoming discouraged when the answers we want don't come as quickly as we want, nor in the way that we ask for them. I think sometimes we forget that no is an answer. None of us like to hear the word no when we ask for something that we really want. But no is a legitimate answer, and God sometimes says to us no. Either we're not ready, or it's not the best thing for us, or for some reason He simply says no. And we have to trust in that in faith. If we want another example about, uh, about the persistency in prayer, we look at the life of Jesus. He was devoted to prayer. He was persistent in prayer. And it simply says to us, if we're going to be a mature believer and a follower after Christ, we must be persistent in our prayer. And we need to have a specific place and time and a journal or some kind of prayer log or something that you keep so that you have communication with God. And you also want to have your Bible with you. 
so you can get into the Word. Now, the second thing that Paul says that should be characteristic of our prayer life is that we should pray with passion. So, pray with passion. The word that Paul actually uses here in NIV is the word watchful. Uh, other translations saying keeping alert or being vigilant. Now, again, if we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, we see that he was a man who prayed with passion. We look at the life of Jesus and we see that he not only prayed persistently, but he prayed passionately. I'll give you some examples of that. In Luke 3 1, at his baptism, while he was praying, the scripture says, heaven was opened. And that says to us that a persistent prayer life that's filled with passion will open heaven for us. Then in Luke 6 12, before he called his disciples, the Bible tells us he spent all night in prayer. You know, sometimes I think we, we have decisions to make, and they are significant decisions. But we just kind of give a, a, a small prayer of that maybe before we go to, to bed and we say, Lord, you know, I got to make this decision tomorrow. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to trust you to have the answer for me. And you go to bed. Jesus didn't do that. He had a major decision to make. That was tw- calling 12 who would be his disciples. And he spent all night in prayer. And when we pray with passion, persistently, then we find that guidance from heaven and from God. In Luke 9.29 at His transfiguration, the Scripture says, while He was praying, the appearance of His face became different and His clothing became white and gleaming. I think that says that passionate prayer is the prayer that ushers us into the throne room of God's grace. And that's why we need to have passion in our prayer life. In John 17, that great high priestly prayer, we see that Jesus prayed for all of those who would follow Him, and that we would be kept from the evil one, and that we would be sanctified by the truth, which is His Word. And that reminds us that passionate prayer expresses the deepest desires of our hearts and reveals the love in our heart for others. And then, of course, when Jesus was on the cross... The the Bible says that Jesus was praying for those who absolutely nailed him to the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed with power. He prayed persistently. He prayed because he knew that that was the desire God had for him. One of the most extreme examples I think that I find about Jesus' passion in his prayer life is the night in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he's wrestling with that issue, when humanity is wrestling with his divinity, and he's wrestling with whether he's going to be obedient to God's will, the whole purpose for why he came, that he's going to surrender himself to the authorities, he's going to go through that mockery of a trial, he's going to be crucified at that cross, and there he's going to die. And the Bible says in Luke 22, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. That's passionate praying. That is passionate praying that enables us to be totally honest with God. And when we pray passionately, what we're doing is we're praying out of our heart. That's not just out of our head, but it's out of our heart. Because we're in in a relationship with God to where we give Him our heart. And we pray out of our heart. Now, when we're talking about passion, everybody's got a different passion. You know, it varies for different people with your likes and things, your hobbies and sports things and whatever else you like in life. What's getting ready to open here sometime this week even? Football. 
Uh, high school football begins this week. They've already had some jamborees. We've got a couple of coaches uh, in the congregation. Uh, maybe some players. Uh, from Pop Warner or Pee Wee League or whatever it is that plays down here on Polo Road and around the, around the city, to middle school, to high school, to college and the pro level. Many, many people who are football fanatics are waiting for football season. You even watched the preseason game last night. I watched part of the, uh, the Cowboys and uh, who were they playing? The Ravens last night. I watched part of that. Why? I'm looking forward to football season starting. But here's what I have to ask myself, and I think you need to ask yourself the same thing. Are you as passionate about praying and having a relationship with God in prayer as you are about pulling for your favorite team? I mean, you know, some of us get totally decked out to support our team. We paint ourselves the color of our team. Wear clothes the color of our team. Wear funky head things. Put on masks. You know, all those kinds of things. We scream. We yell at the officials. Now, I don't do any of that because most of the games I go to on Saturday night, and i got to control my voice and have it for Sunday morning. That's helped me a lot. You know, and I try to leave it there. And when the game's over, I try to leave it there. That's what you got to do. But here's the challenge. If, if you're as passionate about, about football in your prayer life, I would imagine that your prayer life is pretty powerful. But if not, isn't it a shame that a sport or or whatever else it could be is taking the place of the passion you should have in your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Is it persistent? Is it filled with passion? All right. Here's the third thing Paul says, and that is we should pray with gratitude. Paul says we, we are watchful, we are passionate in our prayer life, And we should also be thankful. When you look through the New Testament and Paul's pattern of prayer, you will see that it is filled with gratitude. And that he tells us to express that gratitude in prayer. Let me give you some examples. In Ephesians 5.20 he tells us that thanksgiving is the natural result of being filled with and working under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 4, 6, he tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything to pray, giving thanks as we make our petitions known to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, Paul tells us that giving thanks at all times is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And in Colossians 3, 17, Paul says that as believers, everything we say or do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we give thanks to Him. So what's the big deal about including gratitude and thanksgiving in our prayer life? Well, let me give you, let me give you some reasons why gratitude needs to be a part of our, of our prayer life, why we need to pray with thanksgiving. Number one, it expresses our dependence upon God. See, when we express gratitude to God in our prayer, we're saying we know who we are, we know who God is, and we know that we are totally dependent upon Him. And every time we express gratitude to God, it should express a a feeling um, and a truth from our heart that we know that every breath we take and every blessing that we have received has come from the hand of God. And we are not self-reliant. We are totally dependent upon God. The second reason we need to pray with gratitude is because we express our humility before God. You see, expressing our gratitude continues to remind us how truly helpless we are without a relationship with God. 
Everything in the world, our flesh, the world system, the people around us, everything tries to tell us that, no, 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 you are self-made. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. God has given you the power to do for yourself what you need to do. And that's not what the Bible says. That we should be humble before God because we're totally dependent upon Him. The prophet Micah says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And the third reason we need to express gratitude is because we express our relationship with God. See, we say in our prayers of gratitude that again, we know who we are, we know who God is, and that we know that God is our Father and that we are His dependent children. And we know that He loves us and that He cares for us. And when we understand that concept, we never have the arrogance that dares to believe that we deserve all the blessings we've received in life and that they probably need some more that haven't come to us. You see, it's only through God's mercy and grace that we can find forgiveness of our sins through the gift of Jesus Christ whom He sent to die on the cross so that we could experience salvation and be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with God and be adopted into the family of God, be born again spiritually. So that's why we need, we need persistence in our prayer life. That's why we need to, to have passion in our prayer life. And that's why we need to express gratitude in our prayer life. So let me ask you again, how's your prayer life? Now, here's the fourth thing that Paul says should characterize our prayer life. And that is that we should pray for others. Now, Paul asked for prayers and ministry. He asked for the Colossian Christians to pray for him as he went to proclaim the gospel. When, when we ask other people to pray for us, and when we're asked to pray for other people, that's known as intercessory prayer. That's why we're praying for other people. And that certainly needs to be a part of our prayer life. Uh, I am I'm so delighted and pleased uh, with the response we've had to some of the deacon ministry teams that they have developed. One in particular is the intercessory prayer team. That every worship hour we have at least a deacon and then some other people off of that team who volunteered to be on it. We're downstairs in an empty classroom and they are praying for God's power and spirit in the life of our church. You know most people say in a Baptist church to get on a prayer list you've got to be sick, dying, or dead. It's a shame that we spend so much time there and not praying for people who need the most important decisions that they can make in their life, and that is to make decisions about Christ. And our deacons, as they pray, have a list of things that they go through. They pray through Scripture. They pray through uh, the Scripture for this message. They pray through a psalm of praise. And there are some names. There are some people on there that they pray for. They're praying for God to, to move. And in the last several months since that's been enacted, I've seen God move in the life of this church, haven't you? Can you imagine what would happen if all of us were engaged in praying for people and their spiritual needs? Now, all of you can't sign up to be in the, in the, in the worship hour downstairs praying because I wouldn't have anybody to preach to. But you, but you need to be involved in praying for other people. That's intercessory prayer. And it was characterized greatly in the life of Jesus Christ. In Luke 22, 23, he looked at Peter and he said to him, I have prayed for you that your faith may not falter. In John 14, 15, Jesus interceded for us, asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit. 
In John 17, 19, he prayed for us, the church, in his high priestly prayer again. And he said, I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on the behalf of the world, but of those whom thou hast given me. And Romans 8.34 tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and there He makes intercession for us. That is, He's praying for us. And the writer of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, Hence also He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. See, Jesus prayed intercessory prayers. He prayed for other people. That's what He's doing now. Seated at the right hand of God the Father, He's praying for us. So, how's your prayer life? Let me give you three challenges as we bring this to a close about your prayer life. See, this is one of these basic reminders about prayer. Probably not a one of us in here that doesn't need this reminder about how prayer life should be. That we talk about it more than we talk to God. But I want to give you three things to challenge you about your prayer life. First of all, examine your heart attitude. You see, prayer is fellowship with God. It's that relationship with God. And you've got to examine your heart relationship with God. Because if you're deeply in love with God as much as He is in love with you, then you're going to be a person of prayer because you're going to be communicating with God, your Father. See, prayer begins in our heart before it becomes words on our lips. So, you need to examine your heart attitude. Then the second thing I challenge you with is this. Make sure you mean what you say to God. See, prayer begins in our heart, and then it comes to our lips. And God knows our thoughts, but when He hears our words, you know, He takes that that we really mean what we say, and sometimes we don't. That's what I think the, the psalmist said in Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You see, God hears what we say. Look, if you promise him, you don't have to do this, but if you promise him that if he'll heal somebody, you'll go be a missionary in Nigeria, he expects you to go be a missionary in Nigeria. Now, you don't have to do that. But if you say, Lord, if you'll get me out of this jam and you'll provide a job for me, I promise I'll tithe regularly, I'll attend church regularly, I'll witness for you, he's expecting you to do that. God will take you at his word because he wants you to take him at his word. So, make sure you mean what you say to God. And then the third challenge I would give you is this. Be willing to be part of God's answer to your prayer. See, how can you expect God to take you seriously if you're not at least willing to participate in the answer? Now, how does that work? Well, you're praying for somebody that's lost, somebody that's unchurched. You're praying for their salvation. Then God expects you to do something about it. Like maybe witness to them. Maybe talk to them about their relationship. They might not even be lost like that little boy that Allison talked about on the beach. They might not even be aware of the fact that they're lost. See, God takes, expects us to take the initiative when we can be a part of the answer to prayers. So, let's wrap it up and let me ask you, what's your prayer life look like today? And what would it be like? And what would happen in the life of our church if we all prayed persistently, if we prayed with passion, if we prayed for others, and if we were willing to be a part of the answer to the prayers that we offer up, knowing that God hears us from our heart. See, I don't think there's anyone of us in here who has the perfect prayer life. We all need to work on improving that prayer life. 
And I would trust that these words of Scripture then would challenge us to be more people of prayer and seeing the hand of God move, not only in our individual lives and our families, but also through the life of Spring Valley Baptist Church. May we do that to His glory. Father, we thank You for that wonderful, wonderful privilege of prayer, the opportunity to come into Your presence, to express the desires of our heart, to find Your presence, to get Your wisdom, Your guidance, uh, all that we need from You, our Father in Heaven. Lord, we know that we are dependent upon You. Every perfect gift comes from You, uh, from the Father above. And so we thank You for that. With gratitude we pray to You. And I ask, Father, that uh, the truth of Your words would, would, would be taken to heart in the life of every person here today. And we would really look seriously at our prayer life. And we would be challenged to become more like Jesus in our prayer life. Constantly in communication with You. Constantly praising You. Constantly thanking You for all that You have done. And accepting the answers that You give to us. And Father, I pray this in the name of Christ our Lord, and for Your glory, and for Your honor. Amen.